Hello, this is Joe Peters of Coldwell Banker, and the name of this show is In the Know with Joe. I'm about to interview John West Hadley of John Hadley and Associates. John is a coach for those seeking executive positions and are having a hard time in today's environment. Let's listen in. There's some interesting tips. Hello, it's Joe Peters with In the Know with Joe. I'm of Coldwell Banker, and I'm talking today with John West Hadley, or John Hadley. He doesn't prefer either. It's just a nice distinguished name with his grandfather's West name in the middle of it. And uh, John, say hello. Hey, Joe. Good to be here. Hey, so I think the first place that we should start is maybe to let everybody that's tuned in know a little about your background. Sure. Well, um, I came out of Stanford years ago uh, with as a math and economics major uh, and went into a somewhat not uh, little known profession, the actuarial profession. We're kind of insurance mathematicians. Right. And um, after 20 years in that profession, I realized um, I needed to go in a new direction. I just was... Uh, Getting tired of the detailed technical work, I ended up starting a systems consulting practice, but at the same time, I was helping people with job search on the side uh, as a hobby, you know, interviewing, resume, networking skills. Right. And so um, after five years of, of great assignments on the system side, um, this had just been calling me. And I finally said, it's time to you know, shift again. And I put out my shingle, I called myself a career search counselor. And I've been coaching people on how to land the job and pay they deserve. Well, you know, it's interesting. I reinvented myself somewhere around halftime in my career as well. I was in IT and decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And, but I had all these skills. So what I did was I used my IT skills and went into sales back to the vertical that I grew up in, which was retail. So it, it used the skills I had, but used them in a different way. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing. Yes. It's, um, it, this is very, what I do now is very much around communication and interpersonal, which is a, you know, a little far afield from the actuarial field, except that you know, actuaries are not known for, for their uh, extroversion or right. <laughs> skills, but that was one of the things that tended to distinguish me that people would say, you're not like an actuary. So I kind of feel like what I learned there, building an actuarial department, coaching and mentoring people, learning how the corporate world works feeds very well into what I do now, helping people navigate to find great jobs or to then get to the next level in their career once they have. Right. So it looks like from your business address, you're located in Somerville, New Jersey. That's right. But I would imagine it doesn't matter where somebody could contact you from. You could help them where they're at. That's, that's true. I, I actually started my, uh, my business primarily through my alumni network. So in the first several years, at least half of my clients were out in California. Wow. Uh, and over time, it's expanded all across the country. Now, probably half are in New Jersey, and the other half, I, I, I had a client year before last in Lima, Peru, um, who just Amazing. happened to reach out about finding a job in the New York area, and we had a great 
relationship, teaching them how to build a really powerful network. So one of the things I've always admired about you is you don't have a typical approach to introducing yourself. I get up and say, hi, I'm Joe. I sell real estate. But you get up and start with a story. And mm -hmm. it really captures the imagination. Could you tell us a typical story? Sure. Um, and, and, you know, in fact, one time, uh, you know, I teach a lot of people how to do this. And, and one of the examples I, I was using one time, I was saying, you know, I, there was this group I was in that every month they'd have a, like, like our Warren Chamber, they would have a, a 30 second elevator pitch competition. Right. So I got up and I said, Tom came to me when he'd had 15 months of a steady stream of job interviews and never a single offer. Within a week after my winning interviews program, he was weighing two competitive job offers, including one that was higher than he even thought they had the budget for. I'm John Hadley, and I help job seekers who are frustrated with their search. That's so, I sat, so I sat down, and, and at the end of the meeting, the person who was you know, giving out the award for the best uh, pitch, he came over to me and said, I just have to say, uh, the the only reason I didn't give you the award is because I wanted to know more. And as far as I was concerned, that meant I hit exactly my target. That's okay. all I'm trying to do, leave someone wanting to know more. And, and when, I, when I would do that at the group, I would get three, four, five people coming over saying, wow, you know, um, I know someone who's frustrated. Hey, you know, this, that was really interesting. I'd love to talk to you more. So, so it's, I found that that approach of just, Putting something out that gives an interesting story and just give an idea of how I can help someone. So really for, the engage for the listening audience, John and I know each other from the Warren County Chamber, Warren Township Chamber of Commerce and the Warren Wachung area. And um, I do real estate. And obviously, John does career counseling. And um, we've known each other for about three years, but sometimes you really don't get to know a person until you sit down and do a one-on-one -on -one with them. So I'm learning a lot. We're, we're right next to New York. As a matter of fact, my, my office is in Warren Wachung. And even before COVID-19, we've always identified Brooklyn as our major move to Warren location. Absolutely. Actually, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, we can tell you the zip code. And if you now go to what used to be King's, I understand it's not there anymore. And look at the license plates that are out there on a Sunday, half of them are New Yorkers. And now it's gotten exacerbated with the migration westward or the great move west, they're calling it, um, from what happened with COVID-19 and the social unrest. So we're, we're right next to, we're sort of the very first nice place people find when they start going west. I have a commercial that says, you know, you look past Newark Airport and about 20 miles later, you're getting about exit 41 on the, the route uh, 78 and you're coming into Wachung and then Warren and you're going to say to yourself, wow, I can see why people live out here. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. what, what they don't realize is they drove another 10 miles, it gets better and better and better, but sooner or later there's a payback because you gotta go back to work. Well, that's not exactly the case anymore where our, most of our people who are upwardly progressible, Jim Hughes from Rutgers calls them the elite credentialed, which means they've got not only some education, but enough 
technical savvy that they can work wherever they're at. And they've probably been doing it pretty much before this happened. I know, for instance, I work wherever I'm at. I, I have a desk in Warren. I've never sat at it in four years. Uh, I'm just on my feet. I used to be a consultant and sales, and I'm just used to being where I'm at. And I would think that brings you a lot more people to talk to because several things have happened. What I just described, COVID and racial, not racial, but civil unrest um, have driven people away from New York or stopped them from going to New York. And a lot of them came away from New York from Hoboken and Jersey City. They weren't actually in New York. They just lived in the burbs um, to our area or even further west. Um, are you experiencing people changing jobs in that sector or cohort or whatever it's called? Well, I, I am. It's, it's hard to judge if it's more or not, because actually in New Jersey and the surrounding areas, we have a huge number of career search support groups and okay. they're very well attended. There's one in um, the breakfast club that meets in, North Brunswick that I speak at every year, and they get a hundred people on a Saturday morning coming to this group. Um, so, uh, so there are a lot of very well attended career support groups, and you see, you know, different people coming in and out at different times. Um, but right now, yeah, uh, I mean, people are there's a lot, there's a little bit more desperation because okay. of what's happened with COVID, uh, you know, in certain industries, people are fine. In others, they're scrambling to say, I've got to, I've got to make a change. I've got to reinvent myself. How do I, how do I translate to some other industry and get someone to believe me? Because in this area in particular, the pharma industry, which is so prevalent is one where much more than most um, professions, mo most industries, they have an attitude that if you don't, already, if you haven't worked in pharma, if you don't have a medical degree, if you don't have experience in our area, you can't make it, you know, you can't enter. Now, there are ways to make it happen. There are ways to make that entry, but it's just a much more prevalent attitude that gets a lot of people ruled out right from the start than in, say, telecom or, or other industries. Right. So when I worked for SAP, and I didn't realize it until I worked on a global level, um, they had 18, SAP for our listeners, it's a huge German-based software company. Mm -hmm. Major companies all over the world run SAP enterprise software. And they've broken business into 18 logical verticals. And my vertical was retail, but there were two other, there was a ready to wear, which made the goods for retail. And then there was a finished goods where things with brands got sold. So those three got lumped together as a consumer goods retail apparel footwear and and um, finished goods are there certain verticals i mean they had other verticals i sat next to a guy that uh, built airplanes and i saw another guy on every side of me did autos and another guy did um things like i've never heard of process engineering stuff that goes into stuff he never sold the finished product he just sold stuff that got produced and went into stuff and never had a name of its own at the end of the world do you specialize on certain verticals what i've found is that i my my real talent is showing someone how to present themselves how to tell their story effectively 
how to present you know, a resume in a way that makes it a really strong sales brochure and how to communicate. Um, and that doesn't vary that much according to the vertical. So that I've ended up over time working with people in almost every area from semiconductors to entertainment um, because I'm teaching them the technique and they're bringing the specific jargon for, for their specific area, right. which doesn't, that doesn't take long to, to, to get down. Um, it's really the kind of getting the psychology and the way you approach things to engage people. That's the hard part. So, um, so I, I've just, because I was an actuary, I've worked with probably more actuaries or other people in the financial services sector than anything else, just because I happen to know so many people. Right. There. And then a lot of people in IT because I had a systems practice. So a lot of people in IT across different industries, but I've also worked with educators and um, yeah, just about any, any profession at this point. I've been doing this for 17 years. So I've had time to really uh, hone my skills in a lot of areas. So it sounds to me what you do in my mind and description is behavioral modification. In other words, you're in a situation you've never been in before and you need to figure out a way to get out of it. And the skills you have presenting yourself may not be adequate to do that. Mm -hmm. Is that a good description? That is. And, and, and a lot of, I get a lot of people who they haven't had to interview in 20 years. And so right. they have no idea what to do. They're like a deer caught in the headlights or everything's changed. You know, they were used to the idea that you send out some applications and you're going to get interviews and jobs. And it doesn't work that way anymore. Um, it really, that was never really the best way, except maybe when you were first out of school. Um, but it, it just, that's, it's a long haul. If what you're doing is just sending in resumes and cover letters to jobs. Um, so I'm teaching them how to go about doing it and then how to present those transferable skills. Because a lot of people get hung up on, well, I go, I go to Joe who's in real estate and I tell him I have transferable skills that you'll be interested in. And your reaction is gonna be, well, I don't, transferable skill, you know, you're telling me that you don't have the skills in my area by, by saying that. You're, you're actually presenting a negative when you, when you go that way. So the idea is to get a good conversation going with you. And in the course of that conversation, showing you how what I have applies to your area instead of this kind of hard sell of, hey, I've got transferable skills, so you should be interested in me. That's, that's an interesting presentation of it. Um, I know that the typical... Being in the corporate world for a while, I myself and many of the people I've worked with have found themselves between situations at times. Mm -hmm. And depending how long you work for a company, you may get a nice parachute so mm -hmm. that you're not hurting for three or six months, but he, it runs out very quickly. And um, the first thing people say is I'm gonna take some time off and, and sort of find myself. And, which is probably not a bad thought, but it's not a good thought either. It's, it's a thought of procrastination more than getting started. Um, what should a person do? They're earning somewhere around a 
six-figure income. And all of a sudden, after 18 years, they've been told that for reason ABC, we're going to have to let you go. What would you say the first thing is they should do? Well, they do. The one part of the taking stock or, or sitting back that, that is valid is I got to get past the hurt of the right. separation. Because right. if, I'm, if I'm negative, I'm not going to get anywhere. And a lot of times it depends on how, um, how the circumstances were that, that put you in this position. But a lot of people are hurting from it. They're, and so you've got to get past that. But as soon as you're past that, um, then it's really important first to take stock. Let me go. Let me look at what I bring to the table. And that's where a, where a coach can be really helpful in asking you the deeper questions about what you've done and what the meaning of that was and what sort of results do you produce because we're not geared to think about things that way so much. And so when you get a really good picture of here's what the packages I bring to the table in terms of results I can produce for someone, now that gives you a lot of confidence in going out and talking to people. Once you have that, then the next thing is actually getting out and talking to lots and lots of people, building this set of eyes and ears in the marketplace that know what you're about, know what you're seeking, but most importantly, have some talking points that, that help them see what you might produce for a potential employer. So they're really well equipped. Because it's one thing if I call you up and I say, Joe, um, I know someone who is interested in getting into real estate and maybe you'd be willing to talk to them. It's another if I say, hey, Joe, I know someone who is an expert at flipping very difficult to place pieces of property and maybe you'd be interested in talking to them. Right. So, so if I equip people with those talking points, they are much better equipped to talk on my, my behalf and make connections for me. And plus I'm more memorable to them. So, um, so that's, that's where I would start getting the, getting clear what's the package and how I can present it and then getting out and starting to present it to people. Once again, it's Joe Peters with In the Know of Joe and I'm talking with John Hadley of John Hadley and Associates who are career counselors. And uh, John is bringing us up to date on how to get started when you find yourself in that awkward position. I've often said um, two analogies is one foot's on a dock and one foot's on a rowboat and they're not getting closer together. This is a difficult situation for a lot of people to be in the first time. I've often also said that everybody should get laid off 35 years ago to realize you don't have to put up with this crap. There are other jobs out there. But a lot of people don't, and they work that job for 18, 20, 30 years, and then all of a sudden there's 15 years left in my career. What do I do? This is where John comes in, and he's talking now a little about assessing what are the skills and the packages that you bring to the table once you get past the hurt. And the hurt is genuine. It's an emotion that has to be dealt with, but it's, it's not an emotion that's going to help you find your next job. Oh yeah, and, and that hurt is one of the one of the big things that uh, that I end up usually having to work with people on because losing a job, we we tie that our identity up with that job, and so losing a job really feels like a serious loss to people, and, right. and most most people there is a loss of confidence because of it. 
oh, well, I got laid off. I didn't think I would, I didn't think that could happen. I thought I was better than that. And so there's this shock to the system. And so a lot of times that work I'm doing with them to help them get really clear on what they bring to the table is helping them get past that shock that they start to say, oh, I really do have value. Look at what I can offer. Right. So that, that at every interaction, they can be very confident and positive in their presentation. And there's many scenarios you could have come out of. You could have been on the wrong side of the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. New boss wants a new crew. Um, you could have been just with a company that's not doing what they used to do anymore because the world has changed. Mm -hmm. You could be with just somebody who's, I always say sales is the worst position to be in. If things are really, really good, you don't need salesmen. If things are really, really bad, you don't need salesmen. It's <laughs> only when it's in between, it seems. But you do find yourself in this position. And sometimes you can't find yourself a way out of it quickly. I think one of the worst things I've ever heard, and um, I'll give you a good example. I, I don't want to pick on an industry, but I think the print industry is one that's mm -hmm. suffering a lot today. Oh, yeah. See, see people come out of the publishing and print industry and you say, well, really started to hear, what do, you, what do you think you want to do next? And I said, well, I want to use my skills and find another position in the print industry. And I say to myself, without being um, offensive, my God, no, um, that's why you're here right now. You may have to do a little reinvention along the way and take the skills that you have to do something else with them. I mean, in my case, I use my interpersonal and organizational skills to help move from a sales position in um, high tech for retail into real estate. I mean, it turns out some of those skills are very applicable. And yeah. I would have never thought that's where I would have wound up. But right now, I've been doing real estate for about 17, about as long as you have been doing what you're doing. And it, it's, it's fun. I get to work with the people I like to work with. I don't have to get on a plane every Monday morning. And um, quite honestly, it doesn't pay all that bad. So yep. yeah, I, I actually have a, I have a friend whose sister, she was in the hospitality field, right? Um, business development end of things. And, and so suddenly she found herself uh, in desperate straits because of COVID. I mean, hospitality's gotten hit worse oh. than anyone. Right. Um, and she landed a job selling windows. And she loves it and is doing extremely well. So she, she figured out how to apply what she'd been doing for business development and hospitality to window sales. Yep. And it was a business on the rise because people are home and they need to fix their house and the other one was a business on the decline. And she could always go back, but sometimes like myself, mm -hmm. I wouldn't, if somebody offered me a job in software right now, I'd say, no, I love what I'm doing. Right. So, so you found a new, uh, you've reinvented yourself and you found out it was better than where you were at sometimes, but never imagined you'd be there when it was all done. Right. And, and, e and even if you, if you decide this is this new area, isn't, isn't my love. I want to go back. There are ways to spin what you've done to make you actually much more valuable back in the place that you used to be. Right. Because you've got, you've got new perspectives. You can bring a whole new industry look at what you were doing before. So, so if you, so it's, it, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be a permanent shift. You may get, you may find that you love what you're doing now, you know, in the new area and stay there, but it doesn't have to be a one-way street either. I look at uh, 
at history and where we came. And, you know, we were a cottage industry before Ford built the first plant a hundred years ago. And he brought us all into the factory and Hershey and some of the other magnets. I'm watching a series on the food magnets that's on the, one of the channels. And it's just amazing what they've done. And uh, I mean, Hershey, for example, built a town, then he built a plant, then he invented something. I mean, he actually did it backwards, but then he found that the people in the town weren't fulfilled. They felt utilized and uh, they revolted against them. And he was just aghast that I gave them so much. Why would they not be happy? Um, so we, we've gone all the way from cottage industry to factory and, and back almost to cottage industry. I mean, you can talk about working out of your house and earning a living as a cottage industry. And most people say, I'm only here temporarily. And I say, I'm not so sure about this, that you may be elsewhere temporarily too, but I don't think you're going back to where you were. That's right. That's, that's one, of the, one of the big changes here is that companies are realizing that they can make remote work work well. Uh, it used to be that everyone was afraid of that. They're afraid that, you know, oh, I'm going to lose control and there's going to be loss of productivity. So some companies would, would encourage remote work and a lot wouldn't. But now they've had to do it for long enough that they found ways to make it work effectively. And they found, hey, maybe we don't need all this expensive real estate right. that we've been sitting on in the office either. So no matter what happens, we're going to have a much higher percentage of remote work long-term. And one of the things that, that um, the job seekers that I talk to, the, what they don't realize is this has opened up an, um, a lot of new opportunities. One is that I can look remotely. Um, I have a friend who landed a job and he, he's in Pennsylvania, he landed a job with a Texas company He's leading a team down there. He has yet to meet anyone on his team or anyone at the company in person. All of his interviews were remote. Um, so, that, so that's very powerful. But also just if you think about what companies are looking for, even if it's not in the position description, now because there's such a high percentage of remote work going on, showing that you are good at working and interacting remotely is something you are going to be judged on. So if you do, so if you do a really good job of showing and illustrating how you would work remotely, how you, how you engage people over zoom and over phone, how you set up a professional background when you do a, a video conference and, and look really good and have the right lighting all, you will suddenly stand out among other candidates they talk to because you've paid attention to those things because they know that's how I'm going to be interacting with you day in and day out. So they're getting, so even though they never say, one of the requirements is someone who's got facility with, with Zoom or Microsoft Teams, who's got a good internet connection, who's got good lighting in their office. They never, those aren't on the position description. Right. But they become important differentiators in showing that you are a person they're going to want to work with. Somewhere about a year ago, I belong, I live in Hunterdon County and I work across Hunterdon and Somerset. And I belong to something called Hack Hunterdon, which is a group of 
techies. And some of them are as old as I am, and some are really young. But we have a guy who did a presentation before COVID got started. So it says nothing to do with COVID. And he has a 53-person company, totally remote. Wow. He has hired every one of them based on skills. And with the last four weeks of their interview is the first four weeks on a job. So there's nothing guaranteed till you fit in. Mm -hmm. And the only thing he said they have to do, and he's doing like, I would say close to 20 million in volume with these people. It's a technical services company. Um, they do need to get together every six weeks to get the culture rekindled. Mm -hmm. So he looks for people who can do this. And then he looks for forums where he can bring the people together. I haven't heard from him since COVID, but I'm sure he's still trying to do that. And when I talk to Jim Hughes, he's talking about the same thing. All these people aren't going to Manhattan anymore, but he's calling the, the hub as a club so that, you know, even though you may not go to Manhattan, you may need to go to Morris County once every two weeks and spend the day with the group. Right. So that we don't lose the culture of what we developed. And yeah, well, what, and that's one of the big things that you miss when you work remotely, which I used to work with. I'd have people who were working at satellite offices or they're working completely remotely. And one of the things I would tell them is, look, you need to find a way, find an excuse to get back into the office you know, once a week, once every couple of weeks, because you're missing the water cooler connections. You're yes. missing those personal interactions with people that are so important in the glue to the relationships and being noticed. So that's going to be really critical going forward as so many are remote that the companies organize these you know, mini conferences or mini gatherings on a regular basis to foster that. I'll give you a good example. I remember I was with Allied Stores in New York. We knew it had Stearns around here, but they had about 30 different names around the country. It's all part of the Macy's organization today. And I was in IT and we we're on the 22nd floor of the Grace Building having two or three of us in a, in a hallway having a conference impromptu. And we invented something. And the fourth guy who walks along, who's our superior and says, what are the three of you doing asking out there? And we said, A, B, C, D. We just came up with this idea. Maybe it would be worth building it. And he looked at us and he said, somebody smarter than you have already has built it. Go find it. It's a great idea, but I don't have time to build it. And it was the most outstanding idea Mm -hmm. for the time and that's culture that's culture it's when somebody can take something and stand on your shoulders and make it better and he did it that day and i i look back to say if that didn't happen we might have spent two years developing something which wasn't something we did for a living right yeah yeah those those interactions are so powerful i i know that it, when in my last corporate role one of the keys to my my success there was that there were um, a couple of different initiatives where they were bringing people together across the company. There was a leadership course. There was a disability leadership course. There was a disability lab. And I just volunteered for those initiatives. And that put me in, in close connection with some people across the country, across the company that I never would have met otherwise right. in just this we're working on this little project together. And one of those actually led to a job offer a few years later to, for a promotion. That's um, amazing. Even though I, I had almost no con contact with him after the course, he just remembered me. 
I look for, I'd look at what we did 20 years ago and I look at what we went through in the last year and I'll just give you a great example. I flew for a sales call for walmart.com. I was on Post Avenue in San Francisco. I flew in and out the same day. I took the red eye back and we stood up in the lobby because there was no place to sit down. It was the dot-com, it was 1999, 2000 at its finest. And that's a sales call we could have done over Zoom today. Yep. And look at the resources we were spending to do things that we didn't need to do because we couldn't believe we would learn how to do it the way mm -hmm. we're doing it today. And I think that's once again, standing on the shoulders of people who have gone before us and just making whatever they made better. And I mean, we should have all bought Zoom stock. It's like 12 times what it was a year ago. All right. Um, it's, it's an amazing story, but we've learned how to use it. We've learned some unique things to do with it and no one is afraid of it. You know, it was- Yes, that, and that's, that's one of the biggest things because two years ago, everyone was afraid of video interviews. Video interviews were this thing where you get called into the city to a video conferencing center and sit in front of this giant screen. And pe pe people were always afraid of doing that. And the companies weren't that crazy about it either. But right. now they've learned that this works. And so suddenly everything is taking place over Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Skype Hangouts and um, so it's almost odd to do it just by phone. And it, it's not just personnel. One of my kids had a ticket and had to go to court during the middle of this. Mm -hmm. I sat through court virtually. And I said, wow, it felt awkward when I started it. But they got the procedure done. Everybody, it took like two or three sessions before we made got everybody on the same page and, and agreed to what we were going to do. But I have a fellow that's in two of my other management groups that does divorce attorney work. And he said, Joe, I at first said, how can we do this? I can't read the body language. I can't. He says, but it's amazing. I can look at their face much closer than I could when I sat down at the other end of a table. So we've learned how to use this to our advantage. And we're doing everything, including the court hearing remotely at this point in time. Oh, yeah. I, I thought, for instance, financial planners, I thought they'd be dead in the water because, right. oh, they rely on going and sitting around the kitchen table or opposite the office, you know, the desk in the office. And the, and a lot of financial planners I've talked to, they're like, no, this has been a, this has been terrific because yeah. I, I'm not traveling all the time. I can have so many more meetings and everyone's used to doing it this way now. So the person who I would have met over the kitchen table, they're happy to do it by Zoom. Uh, and so they're actually more productive than they were. I think we've come a long way in a year, probably more than we've done in the last 10 or 20 years. But in effect, uh, I think this is, we're not gonna go back to the way we were. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the skills that we've learned and picked up we'll be using as we go forward. And I think just as I said, we'll stand on the shoulders of what we've learned and do some more with this going forward. John, our, our time's coming almost to an end. Who is the person you'd like to talk to most that's out there listening to us today? What, what the, it wouldn't be a name, it would be a situation. A person who's gotten reorganized or laid off and they've realized that they're struggling. They, they don't know how to present themselves effectively and land a job. Or maybe they've had a bunch of interviews and, they, and they've never gotten an offer. 
Um, now, typically, the person who, who would work with someone like me is at least aiming for or is at the $100,000 to $250,000 level. I have worked very successfully with people below that, but usually it's someone who's being funded perhaps by their parents or something like that um, right. because they're usually not ready to, for the investment in coaching. Right. Although I do have some, some other programs like self-study courses that I could offer people like that. But typically it's the person when, if they, the reorganization is happening and they're realizing they don't know what to do. They don't know how to make this happen. That's, that can be a good person or the person who's been looking for a little while. It's just not, it's just not working. They know they need the help. So a coach is a good word or a navigator, somebody who can get you from where you're at to where you want to go. And it's done it a hundred times before for a hundred other people. And, you know, it's not a free service, but it's a service that I'm sure pays itself back many times over. Yeah. Well, if you, if you think about it, if I, if I were seeking say a hundred thousand dollar level job, every week that it takes me to land has just cost me $2,000. Right. So, so you, you look at it as an investment. How, how much quicker am I going to land if I have someone to help me navigate this process? So John, if somebody wants to talk to John Hadley right now, what number does he call? Or she? Um, the phone number is 908-725-2437. Or they can drop me an email at john at jhacareers.com. And I have a, a lot of free resources, articles I've written, past issues of my newsletter on my website that they can check out to get a sense of me and also get a lot of value in the process. Well, I'm going to post all of that information onto the site with a link to this interview. And hopefully uh, you'll be hearing from a few of our listeners that are out there. Anything we didn't cover that you would have liked to have said at this point before we sign off? Um, just that it can have that making making a successful search. It it is doable, you know. So have hope. It just you just need the right tools and the right support to make it happen, and you will land. Yep, and the coaching and the navigation is there for you. Well, John, thank you very much. What an insightful interview. John has offered us many tips as to how to get started in an executive job search, and his contact information is included if you'd like to speak with him further. Thank you for tuning in. One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker sales associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his client's best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. 
Then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908-238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.